Super Awkward Funcast. You're listening to the Super Awkward Funcast. Yeah. There's an acapella. Um, solo version. Solo? The whole thing here is going to be solo, so it's going to be super awkward, even more so. But that was a live version of the pianoless, not that that was a piano in the first place, keyboardless version of the, song, the theme song to my very old show, Super Awkward Funcast. And this is what I expect to be, unfortunately the last episode of the podcast (laughs) and that's very sad for me and as of right now it's like 1 37 p.m it's very hot outside it's like 89 degrees so i am gonna come back to this in a second and continue the actual show But I just wanted to do an intro to say how awesome it's been and infuriating at times to have this little show that I started on YouTube back in the day when it was actually YouTube. And I think it was like 2010 or 11, can't remember. And I started it out as Random Thoughts with L. Latham. And I, the first episode that I, that I posted, the only part I can remember because it was so memorable was when I spotted a spider in the corner of my room, which was the smallest room I've ever had, by the way, which I shared with another person because I paid my dues. Thank you very much. Not just literally through SAG, AFTRA, but, you know, figuratively speaking as well. And at that time, I had a very poor roommate, I'll say. Not not really, but they wanted to pretend to be poor so they could not pay the sliver of rent that we had to pay, which was at one point 175 which is, you're not going to get a better deal than 175 living in one half of an efficiency to apartment. But, you know, there you go. So then she, it was a she, she had a job at the, the wax museum, Madame, Madame Tussauds, and she still couldn't come up with cash because, get this, she was also a drug addict, so that was fun. Um, eventually, we had to kick her out, the gentleman that I lived with and myself. And this was in East Hollywood, by the way. Um, I don't want to say where. But um, we had to kick her out. because, And then she tried to come back in and we had to change the locks or whatever. I don't remember exactly what we did. But there was a key situation that I recall. Anyway, there was a spider in the corner. And I mentioned it in my little random thoughts. And at the beginning of this thing, it was just like... Me, alone in my room, just chilling, not always for real. (laughs) I think I may have even had an air, not an air conditioner. We couldn't afford that. Um, 
I had a fan that was on during the whole thing, so it probably didn't sound very good. I have my fan off right now, and I'm really regretting turning it off at the moment. But um, reminiscing, um, this was a very small room in which I I was um, on a couch. So I had like a little couch in the room, and I also had the bunk beds. And then I had a shelf to separate me from the the renter. Um, we'll call him M. <laughs> and M um, had a job that was, he was gainfully employed. And so that was good. But I don't think I ever missed any rent or anything. I wasn't like that, like back in the day. Um, not even now, no, not now either. But <laughs> um, I would always get get fucked by roommates, not literally, which would be more fun, I'm sure, for both parties, if I partook in that. Um, but I would get fucked financially a long, a lot of times, so many times, especially in this current apartment, which is where I started the podcast. And so I guess we could go back um, to, so I started the web show. I'm, I went off track, but I'll come back to that later. I... I started the show by myself. It was just for me to talk about random shit. Just things in my life, things that happened that I wanted to talk about. And then I got a a former friend involved whom if if I ever were to contact her and she would contact me, we would be fine. I think we would be fine, but we lost touch and it was acrimonious at the time because unfortunately she was one of those roommates where they went behind my back. She went behind my back specifically and um, talked to management about a deal for the rent. And um, it turned out that they didn't have a deal. And so I was almost evicted the closest I've been to, to evicted because of the situation. And she decided at that point, well, I don't want to live here anymore. And I'm going to go back home. So then she went back home. Eventually, she came back to California, lived somewhere else, got a family. Good stuff. I think she's more mature now, which is great. So I think we would get along better. But at the time, it was always feeling like I... And I didn't ever feel like this with anyone else. So it was very new to me feeling like I was the mature person in the friendship. And sometimes, you know, things happen. People are young and they're still making their way and trying to get to know as many people as possible in LA because that, that's the, the gig, you know. So sometimes it would feel like I would be taken for granted, um, which would be a thing that that would come up in a lot of relationships that I've had, friendships throughout history. I've always had abandonment issues and trust issues, uh, not with just the government, but with people in my life. So there's that. And then that's just one example. And I didn't want to get into it too much, but I do have to mention her because she was a co-producer on the podcast and I have nothing but love for her. I don't want to start any shit with anybody. She's never probably going to even hear this anyway, but if she does, I want her to know she's in my thoughts still, and um, I'm very happy with what we've made, 
what we created together. And um, then there was a gentleman that she dated who also helped um, with the show and other things and headshots for me. Um, so he became a good resource for me in many ways in, ho in uh, Hollywood, but technically they didn't live in Hollywood, but rather downtown. So I would go there and do the show with her on her little laptop, her iMac or whatever. iMac, that's not right. What do they call it? <laughs> What's it called? The Apple laptop thing. You know the thing, Mac. It's a Mac laptop. It isn't an iMac though. Pro? Mac Pro? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it was a Mac. And <laughs> so we would produce it together and I eventually got her credit on my IMDb. So you, you can definitely go look for it if you want. Um, but I want you to know, again, like no hard feelings here. I'm over a lot of this stuff. Sometimes I have dreams where people from my past pop up and I'm like, oh, okay, we're friends again, cool. And it's never anything bad. It's not like a nightmare where she's like the worst person ever. So that's really nice. Um, we had a bunny. Okay, I should say we eventually moved in. Well, she, I moved into this apartment that I'm in now. I'm just going to go into all of this, I guess. <laughs> um, and it's in Hollywood, the heart of Hollywood. So I never lived that close to the action before. So that was really cool. Although I, when I used to live um, in East Hollywood, I was very close to Paramount Studios, like within walking distance. And that would be good when I was doing like shows like Glee and uh, Community. And I would just walk there to the set to do extra work, which was my thing for a long time while I was doing nothing. Like I, I had like almost, I had a few months where I was just doing extra work and no other job. And then I got a job at Office Depot and Office Depot was, <clears throat> I would sometimes come home and do like videos for YouTube and I'd still have my uniform on and stuff. So I remember that. And I found out recently that I could go to my old YouTube channel. Ooh, I'm not telling you what it is, but I found it and I was like, oh my gosh, cringe, cringe, cringe. But it was really fun, you know, looking back, seeing how far I've come, but also in other ways, like how old I've gotten. <laughs> and I hate that part of it. I hate that part of like history, like in, on the internet where you can see and you just, you can just judge, you judge yourself on, like, oh, what if, uh, why can't I go back to, like, that time? And then, like, why can't I get out there more and do what I did before? But, like, there's other things, and especially now, that's not even possible at the moment. But um, I used to do open mics and stuff, like, and, and I see, like, comics that I used to do open mics with, and they're, like, famous now. And it's like, I'm not with, like, we weren't friends, friends. I just hung out. I was just, like, a I just leech off of the talent there. <laughs> I wouldn't have much talent myself. I, um, I'm probably shortchanging myself, but I'm more of an improv improviser person. So when I did the comedy, it would be awkward. Uh, of course, that was my brand. If I had a brand, that would have been it. And like one of my favorite jokes was like, it's not even a joke, honestly. It's just the truth. It's like life is a joke. Death is the punchline. It's not very nice. It's, it's, it's just, 
And then there's another one. The best part of waking up is going back to sleep. You know, that's a depression joke because you don't really want to stay awake. Not funny, but, you know, true. And so going back, uh, anyway. So we were looking for apartments to, to live together because we were, we were friends. We were, like, friendly for a long time. We had met on the set of something. Some stupid shit. I think it was a stupid fucking dating game show or something where we did did audience work on. I don't remember exactly what it was called. But we met and we became close and we saw each other, I think, on other sets. And then we just got closer and became friends. And I would go see her, but she would pick me up because I didn't have a car. So I would feel like I'm indebted to her in some ways. Which would be how I would feel in these friendships, where I'd be like, oh man, I'm not giving as much as I'm getting in return. I feel bad about it. I've never, like, had a true friend, like, in high school and middle school. It was just like, it's not that I was a loner. I hung out with people, but, like, in groups. And, like, other people were closer to other people than they were to me. And I would always be reserved. So, I would always be concerned that, you know, I wasn't giving as much as I got. And that was one of those relationships in the, in the beginning where it's like, she's giving me a lot of opportunities and stuff and I don't want to fuck this up and I want to be as good a friend for her as possible. And I want, I want to look like I care, <laughs> like, cause some of my psychopathic kind of traits, you know, from my father, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but I don't have the best genes when it comes to dealing with people. And manipulation can kick in sometimes in various ways. And so I have found myself... And then my, my depression, obviously, is a problem. So it keeps me from getting too close to people sometimes. And then I think, oh, wait, I'm the worst fucking person. So why the hell do they even want to be friends with me? What is the point of any of this? So I would just get in my head about things. But anyway, we, we were looking for an apartment. We looked at boxes, like literal boxes, to live in. And we were like, nah. And then I found out one of my other friends who we had worked with previously on something called Dangle TV. Um, he was a, um, he's still alive, but he's a, he was a uh, TMZ kind of photog. So I would hang out with him on his little um, outings to like Katsuya and stuff. And we had the same birthday, so that was pretty cool. We hung out with each other, and we met Quentin Tarantino together. And um, before everything was found out about Harvey Weinstein and everything. And, um, and Jamie Foxx, because he was shooting... What was the name of the movie? Django Unchained at the time. And it was like 3.30 a.m. or something at, at Hollywood Roosevelt hotel or the Roosevelt hotel in Hollywood and um that's really close to where I live where he lived and we, I was hanging out with him and we had met previously this gentleman and I Dan um we had met at uh an open mic at IO which no longer exists which I've spoken about which got me too out of existence <laughs> IO West in Hollywood and even going by there, like, walking by there is just so sad because oh, it's all boarded up and shit. And it's just like you remember everything that happened there. It's crazy. But anyway, it was like an open mic night. And one of the other men, um, male comics there 
ended up being more famous than me as well, which was kind of funny. Not funny, but like cool, I guess. But I met him, uh, Dan, and then we got to know each other and everything. We were both vegans as well. We have that in common. We had a lot in common. So we hung out and we did like his little show where I pretended to be kind of a, a dumber version of myself, which is possible somehow. And I got a credit for that too uh, on my IMDb and for my resume, more importantly, my resume and um, headshot and resume. So we would hang out here where I live. That's where this is going a lot. And I would wonder to myself as I'm sitting around, just, I don't know why, but I would be like, what would it be like to live here and everything, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually he had to move out of LA and pursue other things. He had other passions, not taking pictures of celebrities, but doing something with his life, making a difference, teaching. So that was cool. So he left a bunch of stuff here for me <laughs> and some tripods. And, um, and I talked to the manager of the apartments and had an interview with him and did the application and everything with me. And so I showed him my producing partner and friend. And then we, I signed the lease eventually after I got um, approved, which was easily be done because Dan recommended me. And then when he was moving out, he left some stuff, including his TV and his uh, tripods and a couch. <sighs> that couch lasted longer than I thought it would, so that was good. And then he left. He went off to greener pastures. And then I came in and found out that the tripods weren't here. Somebody had stolen them during the whatever, cleaning or whatever. And then I settled in with my friend and we split the rent for a few months. And, and it's like when you are friends with someone, you don't really know exactly how it's going to be when you live with them. And when you live with them, you do. And I think I, we both got on each other's nerves, if I'm being honest, in various ways, because I'm one of those people, unfortunately, I have had issues with guests coming over because I'm not one to understand human behavior in that way. Because mm. I'm like, I'm, I'm like a 10 year old when it comes to human relationships, if that makes sense because of my non-sexuality. I don't like to say asexual stuff uh, because I can't have a baby by myself, so it's not biologically correct. So non-sexual, so like when I think of other people having sex, I'm just like, huh? How? Why? I mean, obviously for a baby, but like, or, you know, satisfaction, I guess, but I don't want to be a party to it. So I would be a kind of a party pooper in that way and obviously not want drugs and stuff in the place. Not that that would be an issue with this particular person. I'm just saying in general. So anyway, there are all these issues and stuff, but eventually there was a bunny here named Jezebel. She's no longer here, but she became the mascot for the show. So 
this is going somewhere. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it, but it is. Um, and I was very happy to have a theme. And then it ended up being the Alice in Wonderland theme, which was so weird because that's not what I had in mind in the very beginning for this whole show, obviously. But when we were doing it live, because eventually we did it live after the web show petered out, then we would be like, okay, well, what can we do with it now? And I knew a friend who um, I had met at IO West, and he had a theater. And so we did it at the Middle Theater. Does not any longer exist, unfortunately. It's very hard to have a theater nowadays, even then. <laughs> but it was like 2012, 13, I'm not sure. But um, we put on a couple of shows there, and we had our friends come and bring other people. And it was a fun time. It was really fun. And it was energetic. And he would, you know, my friend Jeff would be, like, playing guitar he would be like my sidekick oh I don't want to say that not sidekick but like my guitar player kind of like my Kevin Eubanks or my um Paul what's his face from the Dave Letterman show or the the robot guy <laughs> I don't know um from Craig Ferguson but you guys he's he's that guy or Andy Richter or whatever like but he wouldn't chime in that much just when we were like we just needed to like chit chat or whatever. We would involve him. And then we would have guests, you know, people we knew in the community, comics, stuff like that. And we talk about entertainment topics mainly. I mean, we didn't get very much into politics in the very beginning because that's such a, uh, it's an open can of worms, really. So, and this was while Obama was president. So, it's not like we had a whole lot to go on in terms of news because back then the news wouldn't be like, unless it was Fox News, obviously, and then it's like Fox, who gives a shit? But, you know, they wouldn't be like, oh, Obama did this, Obama did that, like Trump did this, Trump did that, like all the time, 24-7, like they do now. It wasn't like that then. It wasn't the same atmosphere. So we did that show for a little while, and then, unfortunately, the theater got canceled. I'm sorry. But it went out of business or whatever. You couldn't pay the rent, whatever. You know, times were tough in LA. It is what it is. And so we had to set the date that we already had planned at IO West. So this is the first time we had done the show at IO West, which was called Super Awkward Fun Time at the time. This is all started as random thoughts and then it turned into Super Awkward Fun Time. And then there was no L. Latham or anything like that. And then, um, or maybe there was, there was super awkward fun time with L. Latham. That's right. And we did a show and then I did a show alone because my producing partner wasn't available, who was also my co-host, I didn't mention, but yes, my co-host. And, um, I spoke with her a little bit in the broadcast I want to say broadcast technically because I did record it and put it online I don't know where the hell it is now sometimes I had trouble with my DSLR camera and it would stop running and then wouldn't come up I had somebody doing that so it didn't always go the way I planned 
or I lost footage or what have you. I mean, I have some footage on my can on my uh, computer, but I can't find everything. So anyway, yeah. So we would do a couple of shows. We did a couple of shows. We did that show, and then uh, December show, really near Christmas, way too close to Christmas, which was the one that she missed because she was out of town to visit her family. So wait, was she? No, she went to Aspen or something. I'm not really sure. That's not right. <laughs> What's the place? Um, Sundance? I don't remember. She went somewhere else with snow. And so I wasn't able to have her on. Um, so I think that was the last one, I think, which was, um, oh, we had done it before once, but I don't, and we were told, I was told um, by, <laughs> oddly enough, the guy who ended up getting me too you can look him up. I'm not going to say his name. But he was the director at the time of, of the Iowa West. And he told me I needed to get so many people to go to the show to continue to put it on there um, for free or whatever. So I was very concerned about that. But then on the December one, we, I mean, we had like six people on the first one, which was pretty decent. It's not horrible. It's not great. Uh, then the December one came around, or maybe it was December one that we had six. I don't remember. It's so long ago, but, um, then we got a, I got a pass because it was Christmas, so it didn't matter. But then that was that. And I had put up like posters that I made for that event. I was so excited. And then after that, it was just like, where are we going to take this next? So we thought about it and I said hey you know what podcasts are really big now it's 2013 right so summer 2013 just moved in is that correct that's correct I believe I'm gonna have to check on that because I do not recall exactly when the first episode was I believe it was June of 2013 because I'm thinking like January because that's when I moved in. So I'm getting a little confused. But I will look on the website right now and let you know. And then we'll get to the topics at hand after this intro. This is the longest intro I've ever done. But it's because this is a long journey. This shit didn't happen overnight. Um, this shit was really important to me and was a big part of my life. And it's very sad that it's ending. Oh, hey, June 30th, 2013. I'm recording this on July 31st, 2020. So that's like over seven years. And we didn't have like an episode a month back in the day. We would do like every two months, every three months, whenever people were available. It was just not that concerning to me. It is pretty crazy that the second episode was like literally the next day though. <laughs> I totally forgot that. Um, so I said it for the June 30th, 2013 and then July 30th and July 1st. Okay, there's a couple of days in there. But anyway, it was like the next month. And then the next month, like that month, we had two episodes. So that was a big, big thing. And that's why I probably got more um, listeners then than I do now. And then, damn, there's like three in July alone. 
This was when I was really hard working. Then August we had one. And then September we had one. November. And then it just gets a little bit further away. But it's like every month, every couple of months, whatever it is. So ultimately we ended up in like 40 something episodes of content. 37 episodes of the show itself. And then we had like the bloopers from, well, we had the plays that we did and um, the staged readings that we did. And then we would put in the, um, the, um, the bloopers as well. I don't know why I fucked up there. I'm going to turn on the fan because I'm dying. So if you guys hear it, you hear it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm as close to the mic as I possibly can be. Um, but I need a little air. I'm going to die. I'm going to stay on because I think I'm on a roll. <laughs> so I'm going to keep going. But anyways, I don't know So we're talking about the podcast. So the podcast began on in June, June 30th, apparently, 2013. After I had lived here for January, February, March, April, May, June, five months. And I felt pretty secure. And... Oddly enough, <laughs> not shortly, not long after that, things kind of went awry and the eviction thing happened and then she moved out. And also the, the bunny was gone too, but not her poop in the couch. So I had to clean all of that out, all those pellets. And then um, eventually I had to move other people in and had issues with a lot of them not going to get into names or anything like that but it got really crazy after a while with all these different people coming in and fucking up my life in various ways I mean there was a cop at my door at one point in the middle of the night asking for my roommate I know what she did I still have her shoes if you want them I guess you can come back once you figure out how to pay the last part of the rent because you didn't but, um, yeah, so they fucked me over on rent. So then I was like, okay, we got to get rent up front for the last month because that's not a good idea to not do that anymore. I got, I got to have my insurance for things. And there have been times where I felt like I wasn't going to make it because I got screwed on rent and they left. And I was like, how am I going to afford my rent? by myself and everything and then I had to there was one point where I had to live almost alone for a month and it was one of the most darkest times of my life here in LA so that was that was fun um but anyway back to the podcast so we we talked about certain topics in the first episode and after that and in the first episode specifically like we introduced everything and my description is not very thorough about what was discussed so at that time I did have some episodes uploaded to my account on YouTube AKL Latho no moss but at that time I was like hey this is the show we're putting it into this new format and so I would reference that in, in the uh, show notes and dude, like number two episode, I had two, 520 downloads over time. You know, that's from seven years ago, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> that's the most. But it's like over so much of time, 
But back in the day, it would be like 200. And I was like, well, this isn't that unsuccessful of a show. So over time, when I really got into the show and I really put my effort into it and to try and make it the best it could possibly be and talk about different topics and really try to be as vocal as I could about everything that was going on. Oh, by the way, the uh, next episode was even higher. It's 551. So um, at the time, probably 300 or so. But um, at that time, I just wanted to do the best that I could. And I thought like when it was getting closer to 2019, I was like, I'm going to really do this. I'm going to pay the extra money for a year of Podbean because that's where it's hosted. And I'm going to put out content every month, no matter what. I'm going to put out a new episode every month. And maybe didn't do it one time, just by a day or so. And this one's cutting it really close. Because I had to wait for a lot of news. <laughs> There's a lot of news that happened this month. So I had to wait for it. Um, with Gail and Maxwell, with Johnny Depp's trial. I'm going to get into it. All that shit, Bill Gates. Ugh. So much shit going on. But um, that's what I did. Is like I was determined to do one per month. And this was going to be an actual show. And I was going to see how it worked. In 2019 and then 2020. And I did that. And I tried really hard as much as I could. I didn't have Facebook anymore. So when I had Facebook, I got more... I was in more community groups, you know. On, on Facebook. I had the iOS skill book. I had all these people from iOS, I had all these other people from other things that I was into, and I'd be like, hey, listen to my podcast, and they listen to it, or they want to be on it, or whatever. After I left Facebook, everything was gone. It was just like, people just didn't stick around, didn't respond to my texts, certain people, and it, it was after the 2016 election that things really got crazy, and because I didn't vote for the person that I was supposed to vote for, according to a lot of people. Um, I was ostracized or just, you know, outcasted. Outcast? Casted out from certain um, groups. And so it got to the point where I was like, who's going to be on the show? So for a long time, it was a friend of mine whom I had actually met on Facebook, oddly enough through another friend of mine and his name is Steven. You may have heard of him. <laughs> He's been basically the co-host in the past uh, few episodes. And unfortunately, due to everything that's happening with the masks and the, the totalitarian control happening in the US and other places and telling people what they can do uh, and when they can do it, and all these different things, not even just the mass thing, it's just like all these different regulations and stuff and, and fines and stuff, like just 1984 shit. Because of all of that and the lockdowns and everything, and because I differed in my opinion greatly from Steven, unfortunately, I had to go solo after that. And this is my first solo show because I didn't want to go solo. I didn't want to do a solo podcast, even though that's what it started out as in my room. You know, me just shooting the shit with nobody and pretending that I was talking to someone real. 
next to me. I didn't want it to be like that. I loved the community. I loved being able to t have discussions with people. So I had Betsy on the last episode. Cause she's one of my best friends and has never let me down in so many ways. And has let me down. I mean, people let people down all the time. I've let her down. She's let me down. It is what it is. We've talked through it or whatever. We've had differences of opinion, but we are able to talk and we are able to empathize with each other. And that's really beautiful. And I really love that. And I really wanted to bring that into the podcast atmosphere. And I wanted to continue to do the show. I really did. But it's so draining. And you do it alone. And it's just like, what are you doing it for at that point? Because it's just like, it feels like I'm screaming into the abyss and nobody's listening really I mean, they're listening some people are listening 13 people but maybe not even that many people that could just be like me five times and then um doing the math eight people eight other people including the person who was on the show for the last episode it's just like it's and that's from a month ago. And it's like, is this worth it? You know, I mean, you got to weigh the pros and cons. And I did that. I cried so much. And I had like a depressive episode when I was thinking about ending the show. But I really want to be as much of a journalist as I can be, given the circumstances. And I want to be giving out real information on my Twitter account, because that's the only social media I have other than YouTube and YouTube. And I want to do interviews again soon because I want to know what people think about these these measures that are happening all over the place. They're telling you what you should do, how you should do it, no matter what it is. I mean, it's what it is. And then they do, don't do it themselves in certain cities and stuff. Looking at you, Eric Garcetti, with your not mask wearing and Gavin Newsom, you not having a mask on. Cuomo, with you not having a mask on and hugging a dude in Georgia where you shouldn't even been in the first place. But, you know, the rules are for thee, not for me. That's how it goes. So, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about all kinds of things on here and get people's opinions and really open up a debate about certain things. And I think I did that. I think everything that I wanted to achieve with this show, I think I've achieved it. I think I really have. Even more so than I ever planned. Than I ever thought I would. And the cancel culture and stuff. Like, I've talked about so many things that are very important to society. And it's a time capsule. So, I'm hoping later on in the future, like... If we have one, <laughs> two years, if we have that long, I can look back and say, you know, I did everything that I could to talk to people, to empathize with people, to have people aware of what was going on. That was my job. I didn't get paid for it. And that's fine. That was my job. That was my purpose. Not my job. My purpose. I don't have jobs anymore. <laughs> Not allowed to have a job anymore. But that was what it was about. And I set out to do something and I did it. And I feel good about it. And I feel weird about saying I, I, I. Because it was so many other people and myself. And I thank you all so much for participating, if you're listening. 
I thank you so much. I think Stephen, other Stephen, <laughs> um, Stephen Robles, Stephen Kaufman, for even coming on recently, you know, after everybody else had been like, nah. Like, it was so nice of him to come on. And Brian, Brian, who's Brian? Brandon, <laughs> my gosh. Brandon Burkhart, and I'm trying to think of all the names. There's so many people. I can't think of all their names, but everybody who's joined. Obviously, my co-producer, who I couldn't have done it without. I just, I don't think I would have had it in me to do it by myself at that point. And then turn it into the podcast that it's been. I mean, that was a two-person job in the beginning. It became less so because she got very busy with other things and that was fine so it became my baby and it was my labor of love and I loved it to the end and I still love it and if there's a chance that I could do it again I would love to do it and get better guests get fucking Tim Dillon would be fucking awesome in a perfect world but considering he's only once liked something that I've written on Twitter I don't think that there's a high likelihood of that occurring in my existence currently. But um, I thank him for inspiring me to be as open about things as possible because it is because of one of his his podcast, Tim Dillon Goes to Hell, which eventually was the Tim Dillon show. I remember it as Tim Dillon Goes to Hell because that's what I saw it as. in the podcasts, like I was just looking at other podcasts and I found him just out of nowhere. And he was talking about Gil Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein before a lot of other people were talking about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, he knows about that. I'm going to listen to this guy because he knows what he's talking about. And uh, I can see if, if we can compare notes and stuff. So I was like looking at documentaries at the time and trying to figure out what was going what was going on with Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton and Donald Trump and Gail Maxwell and all that stuff, Virginia Jeffrey Roberts, <sighs> all the blackmail and everything, and it was just really cool to see someone doing that, using their platform for that kind of purpose, and I was really inspired by him. So I just want to do a shout out to to Tim Dillon because he really did inspire me, and I was able to talk about things a little more openly than I did previously. Like, even I, we had a 9-11 episode, and throughout it, I felt like I was stifling myself from talking about the elephant in the room, which is obviously the lack of an investigation for it, and um, the war games on the day, and all these weird things about it, where, you know, it was seemingly an inside job. So I never was able to, to bring that up when I had these more uh, mainstreamy kind of guests on like they weren't like open to, I don't think they were open. I I never tried to be open to that like with them so you know nowadays I would bring that up in a conversation with anyone I'd be like hey do you think 9-11 happened for real I mean do you th- do you think that it was possible what exactly happened do you think Kroll Incorporated has something to do with it Larry Silverstein, whatever. And um, do you think it was a controlled demolition, WT7, WTC7? All this stuff. Did you see this report? Whatever. Like, what do you think about it? 
Like, I would not have any problem bringing that up in daily conversation. Which also has something to do with, like, it's been a long time. So it's more appropriate to talk about it now than it was in, say, like, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. But, you know, and 2014, apparently. Um, But now you can talk about those sort of things. And you don't have to feel like people are going to be pissed off at you and everything. Like, how do you, how could you bring that up? How could you say that? You know, you have facts to back up your statements as well, because everything that's going on with the firefighters and everything and their pursuit for justice and everything, but, and their families, um, and the victims' families as well, and Saudi Arabia and all that stuff. So yeah, you can bring that up now on podcasts and it's not a big deal. JFK, not a big deal. Like, I mean, I guess a big deal probably would be the Boston bombing. I don't know enough about that to bring that up. Or ooh, Columbine would probably be a big deal now. But I've, you know, not done that much research into those things. But, you know, for a time there, the sex trafficking ring in the U.S. and across the world was a no-no to talk about. So now we can. And now we have unsealed documents from the Maxwell files from this current case where she has gotten arrested and charged with sex trafficking, like trafficking children, minors for Jeffrey Epstein and his friends, but not anything to do with the sexual abuse that she was alleged to have participated in multiple times with multiple girls. So there's that, there's like this, you know, cause Jeffrey Epstein was suicided and everything. People think she's going to be suicided. So she hasn't gone Corona yet, maybe later, but her trial has been set for 2021. So that's not very promising. And the documents that they released that they unse- unsealed were not very hurtful to her case. Some of them were, but some of them seemed to be helpful to her in some ways. And then there are some that are just um, redacted to all hell. And there was a thing that you could do where you could unredact them. I'm not going to get into that, but there was a way to do that. And I did that with one document and then I recorded it. But I'm not going to put it on here because I don't want to get uh, in trouble. <laughs> but I did record it for myself to listen to later and I did her voice and everything and kept um, fucking up because I would read like the bottom page because it would be copy and pasted and it was like copied and pasted and it would look so weird at the bottom so I would do like the numbers at the bottom of the case and I was like oh man no I have to go to the next line which is um, at the top of the page but it's not the top of the page on the document that I created anyway whatever um, so there was something, there was something where she had claimed not to have been in contact with Jeffrey Epstein for so long, but then we found an email that showed that they were communicating. So that was a big, big no-no. So that does not help her case. So that's good to see. And then in terms of court cases, it's just been crazy, like a whirlwind. But the big one now that you may have heard of is, or may not have, or you may have heard a little bit about, and not all about, 
but we're going to get into it now. And that is the Donny, Johnny Depp libel trial in the UK against NGN or news group newspapers, um, The Sun specifically, and Dave Wooten, who wrote the original article that is in question, which is something like, how could J.K. Rowling hire cast um, wife beater Johnny Depp for Fantastic Beasts? Something like that. And the question was, is he a wife beater? Like, that was what we're trying to find out. And Amber Heard, or Amber Turd as she's now referred to as, um, had originally written an op-ed in Washington Compost, or, sorry, Washington Post, and she had said how she was abused for so long or whatever, and it was implied that it was Johnny Depp who had abused her, obviously, that was the implication of the article, but she didn't mention him by name, but he sure did get offended, and he sh he sued her for $50 million in that case. And that's in the U.S., and that's against um, Washington Post. Not Washington Post. Sued her. She, so she wrote it, so she's getting sued. And um, that's going to be in Fairfax, Virginia in January 2021, allegedly, maybe. We'll see. Uh, due to COVID and also a delay with documents. Because um, they really want to focus, for some reason, in this case and in the one in the U.K., on his drug use. Oh, that's their big thing. It's like, he's a drug addict, da 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 da. Yeah, but just because he's a drug addict doesn't mean he hit his wife. You still have to prove that. And they did not. Um, no matter what you feel about Johnny Depp, and I personally have gone back and forth about how I feel about him. I'm not a celebrity lover in general. There's no one that I can like look at and be like, oh my gosh, I love them so much. I'm not a stan. I don't stalk people. I don't care about certain things in their lives, their personal lives and stuff, and I don't get involved in that. And most of the time they let me down anyway, if I do enjoy them and their work in any way, shape or form. But because they get too woke and it's a joke and they also say stupid shit and then do stupid shit and are hypocrites and it's annoying. But that's celebrity culture. But he is someone that I had followed from when he was on, I'm, I'm aging myself, tw 21 Jump Street. But I was a very young person watching that show. Too young to understand what the hell it was, it was that was going on on that show. But I enjoyed him on that show. And then other things in the 90s and, you know, when he like debuted in, in um, Nightmare on Elm Street and everything in that movie. And all those other movies and stuff. And, and, you know, I learned about him. Things that I didn't need to know. But were good to know. I mean, I already knew about the Viper Room and everything. And that whole controversy with his business deals. I don't remember exactly what it was. But it wasn't good. And his, like, business partner, like, went missing and shit. And it was just weird. And then there was a thing where um, he had supported Damien Eccles. I think his name is who was accused of satanic 
sexual it was it was a sexual abuse or just I don't know but it was something to do with Satan <laughs> and the guy got so many years and he was trying to get him off, off of this charge and these other boys in this thing you can look up that case I guess and um, I can't I have too much in my head right now to go back to the 90s and figure out what the hell was happening but you know that was a thing that he did he he supported these kids who were accused of something horrible and it was after or before I guess the whole Franklin case cover-up happened the cover-up itself and or maybe it was after before I don't recall I'm really bad at this but you know it was what it was so it was one of those high-profile cases from the celebrities celebrities were like don't do this don't do that and it was very similar to like how they all went and defended not all of them but a lot of them and in a letter and everything Roman Polanski no don't hurt him blah, blah, blah. he's such a great director yeah but he may have like molested a 13 year old but no 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 he's a great director yeah okay <laughs> but that's not enough to get you off of a charge but I guess it is I don't know but anyway I digress um, so that was that it was like little things that I heard anecdotes like his relationship with Winona Ryder like she was young when he met her kind of too young in so many ways so many ways um, but people don't like to talk about that because it's not a thing that you would discuss back then uh, the age differences, like I looked up the age difference between, um, what's his face? Johnson. You know the guy. <laughs> Who was married to Melanie Griffith. Don Johnson. And he was old as fuck, and she was a teenager when they got together. And that was creepy. So it was just kind of normalized for a while. And then there was Seinfeld with 17 year old, and that was like normal. At that point, that was like, whew, at least we're getting closer to 18. But, yeah, so there were things like that. And, you know, who he hung out with was not great. Like, when you see him hanging out now with Marilyn Manson. Like, I I don't hate Marilyn Manson. It's not a whole thing about it. But he's a very peculiar person. I always thought when he was doing a shtick in the beginning... And when I, I was younger, I would be like, oh, he's just a poser. He's just pretending. He's just riling people up. He's just annoying. He's just like an instigator. Whatever. And then he like got a an acting career for a little while there. But then he like was dating Evan Rachel Wood. And she said all this stuff about him. And not just her, but Rose McGowan said a lot of stuff about him. And it's like people just like to forget certain things that they they don't want to know about from certain celebrities and I'm not one of those people so I went into this trial basically what I'm saying is I went in knowing from the tapes that we had been privy to because I had been following the case for quite some time before this even came to trial and I knew about um, all the inconsistencies between the stories of the people in her inner circle Io, Tillett Wright, Rocky Pennington, Josh Drew, who didn't know any better probably. Oh no, he participated. I should let, let's not let him off the hook. Um, then, who else? Melanie Inglesis. There's another one in there. 
obviously the sister, Whitney Enriquez, who ended up lying on the stand in this case. And then that bit her right in the ass, didn't it? But anyway, we'll go into it. So, so basically there were tapes of, well, the first tape you see that came out from TMZ was the cupboard thing. So Johnny Depp having a crazy day, really upset in the morning. She's got the, the camera set up on her phone. She's trying to keep it hidden from him the whole time. He's going nuts. He's so pissed off. She's riling him up a little bit and, you know, acting like, oh, I said I'm sorry. And he's like, did you have a bad day today or whatever? You know, did you? Da, da, da. And she's like, uh. And then, so, he's nowhere near her, by the way, at this point. And he's just, like, kicking the fridge, sh- throwing shit around. He starts to make a glass of, of wine. And she's like, did you have the whole bottle or whatever? And he's like, he says something else. Um, and then he drinks it and he sees the camera and then, and then at that point it looks like he grabs it. But as we know from the closing arguments, not going to get into the whole case, but from the closing arguments from David Sherburn, who's the attorney, which would be the barrister for Johnny Depp. Um, he had, uh, come to the conclusion that he was going to play the entire clip so that everybody would see the entire unedited version of this clip. So he played it in court and he said uh, in his closing that she, I'm gonna turn this up a little bit. If you hear it, you hear it, but I can't help it. It's hot as fuck. It's 90 degrees now, probably. 2.38 in the afternoon on Thursday, Friday. If Who knows what day it is anymore. But anyway, um, so there um there was the tape that was played for the court the court being basically um the judge who is justice nickel i forgot his first name shit but he he's quite a character himself he says just a minute please a lot in the proceedings um that's like his favorite thing to say i get it you know you're writing things down you're trying to remember everything that's going on and all the inconsistencies can fuck with your head in the stories. So yeah, you would need a minute for that. I get it. But it was a lot. (laughs) And these transcripts I'm going to leave in the show notes, by the way, so you can go read all of them yourself. Just like I spent six, four to six hours a day reading daily transcripts from a trial from beginning to end, basically. And sometimes I performed it in front of my roommate, who is one of the best I've had, by the way. And he enjoyed my accents very much. And I had to do Australian and English one after the other. It was very, very difficult. And then, you know, American, whatever. You can't say English, you know, like, you know, a U.S. accent, (laughs) whatever, dialect. Um, But anyway, so yeah, there's Justice Nickel. David Sherborne, obviously Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, who's a witness, um, all her people, then his people were like Kevin Murphy, this is me going off the top of my head by the way, Trinity Esparza, who was um, the house manager, the apartment manager or something, a lot of them have very similar uh, titles, so I'm not going to title all of them, I'm going to be incorrect on a lot, Um, then there's like Steven Deuters, I think that's his name. I think that's how it's pronounced. 
Isaac Baruch, Laura Divinery, Diviner, Divinier. But she fucked up and she didn't want to be there and she was subpoenaed. And she was saying how she was pressured by Adam Waldman, who's the U.S. attorney for Johnny Depp, mainly in the other case. And um, also on social media. That dude loves to tweet. And he got a little bit in trouble for it um, last week as well uh, from Justice Nickel. Because he was told on by Miss Wass, my favorite, on the, um, who's the counsel, the Queen's counsel for... <clears throat> NGN. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice apparently. Great timing. But, um, he... <clears throat> I cannot help it. Um, he got on to Adam because Adam was doing this in memoriam thing on Twitter and he mentioned Laura DeVinner and he got in trouble for that one because he, he, it looked like he was intimidating the witness or threatening the witness. And that wasn't what what was happening necessarily, but that's how it looked, or how they wanted it to look. So they got mad about that, and then he stopped doing the in memoriam thing. But he was gonna get in trouble for that eventually anyway, and he knew that. Um, but anyway, he's very in with these the crowd on uh, Twitter, the Justice for Johnny Depp crowd. So many people who support him who have accounts like dedicated to it. It's insane. And while, you know, they, they claim, a lot of them claim, so I, I've looked into a lot of accounts, and they have claimed, many of them, that it's not because he's a celebrity that they enjoy him and everything that they support him. It's the facts. It's the facts of the case. Her tapes that show that she was the instigator, and she was the aggressive one in the relationship, and he's the one who wanted to split all the time, and that upset her. And she threw pots and pans at him and all this stuff and vases apparently and like all kinds of shit and then she'd say in court um amber turd she would be on there and she'd be like oh but you know i'm d I'm just using it as a you know i'm not i'm not agreeing with him i'm just trying to pacify him blah 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 and i'm, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened blah, blah, blah. and yeah okay but then you're rolling your eyes at him and another witness statement of yours you have seven witness statements because you keep coming up with more shit to blame him for and then he has to respond, so he has three. And she has the most, seven. And he has, like, the most after that because he had to respond, which is three. And then most people have two or one in the case. Um, I was trying to remember all the other people. Hilda Vargas, who found the poop in the bed. You might have heard of that, heard of that already if you know about the case. I mean, if you know anything about the case, you know about the poop because it was everywhere, um, literally and figuratively. But, um, one day, you know, like, after an intense incident that was claimed to have been a domestic violence incident by Amber Turd, um, a turd was found that was very unhealthy looking. I saw it, unfortunately, because Twitter is what it is, and people got to be curious and be like, hey, do you want to see it? And then they showed it, and then I was like, why did I click on that? And you know what? Twitter, for, for the first time, actually tried to keep me from seeing it. And I still clicked, you know, show it to me. So they showed it to me, and now I know she has black poop. And that's not, that's not healthy, girl. But, or whomever, whoever, I don't care. But um, she blamed it on the dogs at first, like the little Yorkshire Terrier and everything. Pistol and boo. And, you know, they can't even get on the bed, according to the, um, the other witnesses. And she just, she just kept... 
changing her story, like this fucking bottle incident where she didn't even tell um, her um, acting coach at the time, Christina Sexton, who had been a witness. She didn't even tell her that it wasn't a broken bottle anymore that he severed his finger on. Oh, yeah, by the way, he severed his fucking finger. And it was his middle finger, apparently. And it was with a bottle, is what he said, a vodka bottle. That's what he alleged, that she threw a vodka bottle at him. She alleged that she, that he he did it himself. And then later she said it was with a Bakelite. I think that's the right term. Phone. You look at the picture of the aftermath. There's a phone there. So why is the phone still there? If it disappeared in front of your eyes, Amber Turd. Oh my gosh. Like, who's... A phone can't disappear in front of your eyes. Like, all the, like crazy prose that she uses in the in her testimony as well it's just such a bullshit she just kept lying and lying and then laws would come in who was the female um qc queen's counsel from um johnny depp's side that was put in to to do the cross-examination of amber because i sure i'm sure that that was a strategic move to have a girl talking to her so she couldn't accuse her of misogyny and everything like if it was sureborn like she would totally just be like oh you're a man you don't know no no but they talked about makeup and stuff and she talked about how she always went out with makeup because she's a celebrity and she might be photogged or whatever but then it turns out like that's not true either because most of the people involved in this case on both sides by the way said that they didn't see um any bruises on her any marks on her and that she always she didn't wear makeup when she went out, you know, unless it was like a special occasion or something. And she needed her makeup artist to do that. But yeah, so that's what happened there. <laughs> this was after we had a long, grueling three days of testimony from Johnny Depp, pretty much just about whatever drug he was using. So that was Wass's whole argument on the defense's side. Just to paint him as a drug, druggy, junky dude who didn't even know what was going on. So he could have been hitting her and he didn't even know. And then the next day she was supposed to show him that he was hitting her. Right? Because she was recording all this shit, including the conversations in which she threatens, not threatens him, but uh, tells him that he's like an old fat man or whatever. And like um, the other one where he's like, a, he's such a fucking baby. Grow up, Johnny. You know, that stuff. Um, all these arguments and stuff that she recorded and these photos that she took and everything and she was supposed to show them to him eventually. But he didn't see them until this case. So how is that possible? If that was the reason, Amber, then why didn't he ever see what he had done? And why couldn't you... This was brought up by Sherborne in the closing as well. Um, after all that time... All the, you know, they, they were together for a long, long time, including 15 months of marriage. And she had every opportunity to record, press record, even in her hostage situation that she claimed she had in Australia. She could have been like, um, turn on anything, like an iPad, her phone, whatever, and record his ass. And she never did because he never hit her, allegedly. I mean, he may have never hit her because she doesn't have... Just looking at the evidence, she doesn't have any evidence that he hit her. Maybe he pushed her. He says he pushed her in um, in a tape in one of their conversations. And then 
also, he claimed, you know, after the after being, you know, grilled on it, that he may have accidentally headbutted her. He he claimed that that happened. He agreed that that happened on a flight. I think it was a Boston plane incident. But yeah, he said that happened. But other than that, there was no abuse. And that's not really abuse anyway. Two heads cracking together. That's a bad situation, but it isn't abuse. Um, and that was brought up by the judge himself during the closing of WAS, where, or the defense, where she was saying um, they were trying to figure out unlawful act versus, you know, um, accidental, whatever it is. Whatever kind of terminology. I can't remember exactly. But it was ultimately decided that it would have to be an unlawful act. It would have to be something that would be deemed as abuse rather than defense, like acting in defense of oneself, which is what she claimed, by the way, Amber, she was doing when she, uh, let, when she agreed that she hit Johnny Depp on the stairs in that incident with her sister, which she had already cataloged, uh, cataloged, uh, said everything about in her deposition, in the most weirdest deposition ever, in which she was like not noshing on these little snacks the entire time. Um, trying to, t to buy time so that she wouldn't have to answer questions. And then most of the time she didn't answer questions, which is always a sign of, hmm, there might be some guilt here um, or some trickery. <laughs> so she said at one point, she said that she, she had to keep him from pushing her sister down the stairs. So she protected her sister and she pushed him out of the way. And that was the only, or no, she punched him. She punched him, but not enough to really, like, get him off you know his feet or whatever so then anyway she comes on the stand and everything and starts saying stuff about she had vision of a vision of uh kate moss because she heard that a rumor that kate moss had gotten pushed down the stairs at a hotel by johnny depp that came out of nowhere by the way because it's not in her, any of her witness statements and there are many and nothing, none of them mention that they also don't mention the the plastic cast. Plastic? It's not plastic, is it? Um, the cast that he has on, which is a dinosaur cast, during, because he, you know, lost his finger and shit. So when they had this whole incident, he was allegedly hitting her and grabbing her hair and stuff with this cast on. And Whitney is a witness to it and is trying to keep him from hurting her. And it's like, what? What person with a cast on is going to be trying to hit people? Like, that's not something you do. And he wanted to get better, I'm sure, so he could do more shows because he's in a band and everything. Not a band that I enjoy, but, like, he's in a band. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what he does. But, like, he ha he's a musician and everything, you know? So, I don't know. That was a little weird that they didn't mention that in any of the witness statements and it just came out in court. Oh yeah, there's a cast because they saw a picture of him in a cast. Shit. So they kept changing their story as more information came in and they saw more evidence. And it didn't it didn't gel with their evidence, so they had to change theirs. Oh yeah, there's a 911 call from Rocky Pennington, but there's also a 911 call with Io. We don't know what happened. He was in New York, but we don't know where like, huh. there were two cops and there were two other cops that came by. I didn't hear much of anything about the two cops that came after. But I guess they didn't pursue that on the 
the plaintiff's side, which would be Johnny Depp's side. So, I mean, who knows what happened there. But there was damage that was supposed to have been done at one point. I'm not going to tell you all the dates because they're so fucking confusing. Because they even change. There was one date where it was like March 8th and then it was March 22nd. We don't know which one. Which was the disco bloodbath. But also it was this painting incident. So it got very confusing. Keith Richards is involved. And it's like, ugh. Like, figure it out. Figure your story out. Like, do better lying at least. And even the cop didn't notice anything on her face. No bruising or anything right after the accident. The incident. Okay. The alleged incident. And they testified in court. Officer Sands. Sands. Signs. Whatever. Um, didn't see her witness statement though. Don't know what happened there. But there are almost all of the witness statements on the website. But there are a couple that are missing. Including Johnny Depp's first one, I believe. But anyway... So there's that. So they're on the stairs, basically. And then Amber mentions Kate Moss out of nowhere. And Laws is like, what? Why are we talking about Kate Moss all of a sudden? You didn't mention her in any of your your statements. And she was like, well, I didn't have a lot of time to go into it. You had time to chew. You had time to do a lot of shit. Like, stalling during that deposition. You could have mentioned it at any point. And even in the statements. Like, any of those statements could have mentioned this. If it was relevant. But it's not. Because she just wanted to throw her under the bus. Or the stairs. Um, And bring her name up. Who's not even involved. Like she's not even. She didn't even submit a witness statement or anything. But um, Winona Ryder did. And Vanessa Paradis. And they defended Johnny Depp against her. Because they didn't have any issues with him in that regard. Um, And they tried to go after the Cape Moss thing and suggest that he was being violent in front of her because of the 1994 incident in which he was in a hotel and he trashed it and she was like sleeping during that so that didn't really go their way so they I guess she had to be mentioned again and and I looked back and somebody said that Kathy Griffin had mentioned this rumor and I looked back at it and I found a tweet about it I don't know what year it was but a while ago and I was like damn Okay. <laughs> and then she's the one, you know, saying women should support women and everything. And Amber Heard should be, you know, believed and everything. And Johnny Depp's a piece of shit or whatever she's saying. Like, okay, girl. I go to Kathy Griffin for every single legal case. Like, to get her opinion. Because it's so valuable. Anyway. Because um, she was so right about the Covington kids and everything. Like... Oh man, they were the worst. Ugh. That smirk was the worst thing ever. Anyway. I'm very glad that that kid, by the way, Nick Sandman, shout out to you. He got a good settlement from, I want to say Washington Post. (laughs) Again. I believe there's a CNN settlement too. I think it was Washington Post. I'm not going to go look at that. But anyway, congratulations to you for getting a little bit of peace of mind from that situation. It's unfortunate that all these partisan hacks are still blaming them and giving him all shit about his stupid smile. Like, there are better things to gripe about on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. And one of them is Amber Turd. So back to her. So... 
Amber's in court tell, testifying about this incident and everything. And she says the thing about Kate Moss that goes away. This brought back again in the closing when they're talking about her testimony, how she's made up everything and all this stuff. And you shouldn't believe what she's saying and the spin that she does and all the lies and everything and the hoax situation. Because that's what it is. They say it's, they, it's a hoax created by her and her circle of friends who comply with her. And even Whitney, she gets on the stand, so she's talking about the incident and everything. And she said that she ended up sleeping on her boss's floor and getting kicked out by Amber and Johnny because Amber was upset. Oh, what was the thing that she did? Fuck. She did something. I don't remember what she did, but she did something that upset both of them. But mainly Amber, I think. And they, like, didn't talk for a little while. And what happened is she was com she was asked because there was a last-minute video that was submitted as evidence from an anonymous person who delivered it to Sherborne's office. And it was, like, the night before um, the end of Whitney's testimony, thankfully. And it was about Whitney. It was Whitney in a show, like in the rush, rushes of a, a reality show. And she's presented there as with all these other ladies by the pool. And these ladies are looking at her uh, her uh, face and her arms and stuff. And we're like, oh my gosh. Like, Amber Heard beat you up. Your sister, da da da. They're very country. I don't know why I made her so country. She wasn't that country. But um, more country than usual. And... She was country in it. I was like, damn, I didn't expect her to be so country, but she was. And I had never heard her. So when I was doing her voice in the proceedings, I was like just disaffected and annoyed. But <laughs> I guess she sounds a different way. So anyways, they were looking at her body. That sounds weird, but inspecting her for bruises and stuff and saying that she got her ass beat by Amber and... She's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. You know, over and over again. So they brought it up. Sherburn brought it up in the court. And after she was shown the video outside of court and brought back in. And they did get in a little trouble because um, somebody was using their phone. So they shouldn't have been. Whitney was using her phone. And she was also seen, like, looking up into the gallery at Amber at certain points. And at one point, Sherburn... Not Sherborne, sorry. Laws mentioned it. Um, maybe it was Sherborne. Damn it. It was Sherborne. He did the, the argument. Not the argument, but like the debate on whether they were going to show it or not. Laws did Amber. I don't know when Whitney got on there. It was so such a blur. But anyway. No, that was, Whitney was after Amber. No, yes. Whitney was after Amber. So it was near the end. And then Io was going to be after her. And Rocky. And all those others. Okay. Anyway. So. It was Sherborne again. I'm pretty sure. Someone cor Don't correct me. Fuck it. Um, you see for yourself. But. Um, anyway. He, he or she. <laughs> asked about the video and everything. And if she was lying when she said. What, no, if she, she, if she was, um, 
ever hurt by Amber, ever, like, abused by her. I think this was Laws, actually. I think maybe Sherborn talked and then Laws came in. That's why I'm getting confused. Because sometimes they talk and then the other person does the, the cross-examination. I'm not 100% on that. But it's either one. But anyway, so they're talking and she's, she asks, or they ask if, I'm just going to say the plaintiffs ask if she um, was abused by Amber at any point or hit by her or whatever. And she's like, no, no, never. And she's like, we tussled it as kids, you know. And then that was it. So literally the next day, Whitney's kicked out because she fucked up and used her phone or whatever. And it looks like they're communicating, the sisters and everything. So that's bad. So then we had the closing after this, after Io got up there and just lied his ass off in all kinds of ways. I just could not keep up with his lies, but there were a lot of inconsistencies that were, that were brought up by um, Sherborne in the closing and stuff. He did the closing. I know that for sure. And um, yeah, so Io was really suspicious because he had approached Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp, and did a photo shoot with her that was very inappropriate for her age. I think she was 16 at the time, but it might, I'm seeing 14 sometimes, but I think it was 16. And Johnny was not happy about it, and that ended their relationship because they were pretty cool with each other. Because get this, he's putting all these people up in his, his, in his apartments, that's basically what they are, penthouses for free. They're living there rent free. All of these people, including like all of her friends, including her sister, and Isaac Baruch. Like all these people are living in the same building for free. He's so nice to them for that. And then they go and fuck him over and believe all this nonsense or participate in all this nonsense in order to get his career smashed to smithereens. Which is what happened for a little while. He couldn't, he couldn't get any good press for a while. He still can't get good press now. And he's trying really hard. He's being very nice to his supporters and he like had handwritten notes that he gave out uh, or had get given out the other day for like the closing. And it's just crazy, man. And she goes out, oh my, we'll get to her. What the fuck? But we'll get to her in a second. So then, I forgot where I was. Anyway, Whitney fucked up. And then we had the closing happen with Sherborne. Not Sherborne. We had Wasp first. And Wasp just brought up the stupid shit that you shouldn't even bring up. That he's like so much bigger than her and she's won 15 pounds and stuff. Same shit she was saying on the fucking, on the fucking phone with him in that conversation where she was saying, nobody's going to believe you, Johnny. See how many pe people believe you. Go out there and say that you were domestically abused, da, 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 whatever. It's like, come on. You're using that argument? That's smart. Also, there are medical records and stuff. Well, not medical records, but notes and stuff from doctors that showed that she had a, a crazy situation going on in her head and everything. And she was psychotic, not psychotic, but like, 
she had some tendencies and she was had insecurity and jealousy and all this stuff but we didn't see any of this uh testimony from aaron burren the doctor for all this but we saw the messages and it just wasn't enough uh evidence overall but we had a lot of evidence before that anyway so from the plaintiff's side and from the defense's side we don't really have much evidence to go on at all it's a lot of stuff that's set up that's staged a lot of photos that are staged some of them uh, seemingly manipulated like her bruising and stuff like seems like she probably put some makeup on and just took pictures and stuff so it's just hard to take it seriously and then there's the whole thing of de December like December 15th 2015 the day after she had a, a show on the Late Late Show with James Corden and she went on there and she looked fine to me and she said she had bruised ribs like a broken nose and two black eyes and shit it's like no girl you do not you can walk pretty well on those heels you don't double over in pain you don't seem to wince when you're opening your mouth up which you if you had a busted lip which she claimed she also had then you wouldn't be able to do that just so many things there like they don't mesh mesh well. The makeup artist who wasn't Melanie Anglesis said that she didn't see two black eyes and she was just like, that was Kate James, not make, makeup artist. No, assistant, shit. She was her assistant. And she also claimed, well, okay, so she she said she didn't see anything on her face, but then she said, How, can you believe I did that with two black eyes? And she's like, uh, and she hugged her and it was just weird. I am having a sneeze attack. Great. It's because of this air. But I'm going to continue because the show must go on. So I do apologize for that weird sound. Anyway. So she said that she didn't see anything on her face. And there was other stuff. Like She was just really upset to be there as well because she had read the statement of one of the statements, the confidential one of... Amber's and she knew that she was going to bring up other allegations against uh, Johnny Depp that would include, you know, sexual abuse, you know, sexual assault. Um, and she got to talk about those allegations and get examined and stuff or cross-examined and re-examined in private. So I couldn't read any of that. But um, she said that she stole her story, basically, and that she was um, taken hostage at when she was 26 in Brazil at Machete Point and raped and it was one of the worst uh, things of her life and she was talking to her friend about it in front of Amber and Amber eventually used it in her own story so she's ins insane basically but we didn't get anywhere with that it was just an allegation it didn't go anywhere but Again, it's just like you look at the court in pictures and stuff and everything looks fine. She looks fine. For what she said she went through, she would have more extensive damage. And she would have gone to a hospital at one point, especially if she was sexually assaulted, as she claimed, in the way that she claimed. In a brutal way that she claimed. And her hair was taken out from the root and all this stuff, except somehow it was just a little piece of blonde hair on the floor, tuft of hair that wasn't anywhere near the root, but somehow her scalp got, you know, fucked up and she started getting pussy there. It was just weird. But all of these things, just allegation after allegation with no actual evidence to back it up, 
the evidence is just really flimsy in the defense's case. So in my opinion, they did never they never really proved that Amber was beaten by Johnny. And that was what they had to prove, and they didn't prove it. Not even by the whatever uh, metric that they used. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just the, like, the least amount you could have. Balance of something? I don't know. But they couldn't even prove it by that metric. They couldn't prove it at all. There was no evidence. And the stuff that they used, like the monster thing excuse, like where he said he was a monster and all this stuff, he said that in other texts, not just... Um, with people about Amber, but about other things. It was just such a thing that they kept glomming onto as if it was, like, the biggest situation. Like, he's just a monster. He just becomes a monster when he's drunk and, and he, and he's on coke or whatever and he's just crazy. But she does coke too and they say that she doesn't do coke and then it turns out, yeah, she does. And then Whitney says she did coke as well and that it was her coke in the picture that they used as a setup. Uh, for him to look like he was doing drugs, which of course he was, but like they set it up and they had like three lines, four lines of coke, whatever, three lines, I don't know, but next to like a credit card and everything. And then there was a tampon applicator there. And then she was like, that's mine. And then she said that she sent the picture to them. I can't remember if she sent it to Johnny or not, but she said she it was a trick she used and that she gave it to him. To try and it's just a lot for me to believe that a man who's 57 years old just any man would just go ahead and snort coke through a tampon applicator who's who's rich as fuck i just find that very hard to believe but you know to each their own so yeah they proved they had the whole thing with the dogs and smuggled in australia and everything they had that um brought up the department of homeland security um, letter, which was kind of, like, fraudulent. <laughs> that was bad. Um, then Samantha McMillan came up as somebody who, uh, sent a letter who had been 18 when she started working for, uh, Amber, according to her, and she was from the UK, so she wasn't allowed to, like, work, work, so she just did internship kind of shit, but, like, got paid for it. So there's that. <laughs> so she did stuff for Amber and it was her friend. She has a lot of friends that she pays. That's all I'm saying. Um, and she paid her for her services. 1300 something dollars. I don't know. Like under the table. Very shady shit. But not really the main focus of the thing. But anyway, I think I've gone as far into it as I possibly can. You can read all the transcripts yourself. It's way more interesting. Um, when you sit down and see it, see everything happen. So anyway, then the next day, I mean the closing, yeah, the next day, uh, Sherborne did his whole closing skeleton and unfortunately he ran out of time because this thing was always going to be like really fucking slow because Wasp was really slow in the very beginning and stalling a lot in her proceedings like in the very beginning with Johnny like just wasting so much time on the drugs and everything and stupid questions so then we got to this point where it's like we're near the end and judge just wants to be done Justice Nichols like this is it today is it we're not doing this another fucking day he didn't say that but that was the, the vibe 
And Sherman's like, okay, sure. But he's like, I hope I get another day. You ain't getting another day, Sherman. But anyway, he made it work. And he brought up the fact that... No, this was not brought up here. But while this was going on, I was made aware that in terms of the next case, which is in the U.S., as I explained before, which is... Um, him versus Johnny John John C. Depp the second versus Amber Laura Heard, and it's in Fairfax, Virginia. It's the the Washington Post op-ed. So that one, it turns out Jennifer Howell, who was the former employee employer of Whitney Heard or Whitney Enriquez, saw her testimony and was like, "Nah, bitch, no, that's not true." So she came out to Daily Mirror and said that, wait, is it Mirror, Mirror Celeb? It might be Daily Mirror. It has to be Daily Mirror. But it said Mirror Celeb. The celeb version of Mirror. <laughs> anyway, she came out and she said that she saw the testimony. She thought she was not telling the truth because when she moved in with her, she said that, well, one, she had a guest room for her. She didn't stay on the couch, on the couch, on the floor, not even on the couch. She stayed on in, in a guest room when she lived with her. And that she said she was um, trying to keep Amber from attacking Johnny on the stairs. And she was worried she was nearly going to fall off the stairs. And that she was afraid that Amber was going to kill Johnny. So that was a big break, and she said that in a declaration in that case. I haven't read it yet. I've been trying to keep track of that, because there's some crazy shit. There's there's one witness. They're not even a witness, necessarily. Amicus Curiae, for my law friends. But, like, this chick, there's a chick in here alleging some shit that really does help Johnny Depp's case in, the, in this uh, libel trial. But also opens up another subject entirely. I don't even know how to explain it. But I found a document. I'm just looking through documents in Fairfax, Virginia court. Just normal shit. Just like d dumb motions. Like, oh, we're going to bring up this drug shit with Johnny Depp and he won't bring it up. You know, he won't d bring up these records or whatever the fuck on Amber Heard's side. And then Johnny's talking about his witnesses and subpoenas for his witnesses and stuff and then somehow I ran into this motion from an amicus curiae from a, gen a gentlewoman named Ruth wait no 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 Ashley Ruth Moye and I don't even know if anyone else is talking about this so I'm gonna bring it up it's fine but she claimed this is wild that she was a federal agent who knew both Johnny and Amber and she was invited to have a, a threesome with them once but she neglected she decided not to she thought it was weird because they had a 30 year past Johnny and her she had known him for a very long time and had used to be in, been in a relationship with him and um she also alleged that she was in a confrontation with Amber and Amber was threatening to do something to Johnny in terms of like blackmailing him or whatever. And she wanted him to marry her. 
And this is this was interesting because I always wondered why did he marry her of all women, you know, what was special about her? But she said that if he if she okay, so she knew certain things about her being a federal agent and the investigation that she was doing or whatever kind of things she was into with this crime ring, this organized crime ring which, you know, has murderers involved and stuff. And if uh, certain information about that. Uh, if she blew her cover, basically, if Amber blew her cover, then she would be in deep shit. And it could put Johnny at risk as well of being killed. This happened. This is a real document. I will link to it. Um, and if I can find it. I think I can find it. I'll. It'll be fine. It's from recently. It's like June 29th, 2020. It was filed recently. So then she said that um, she was threatening to marry, she wanted an ultimatum, you know, to marry Johnny. And then she had a, an argument with Amber. I don't remember where. And it was out of the line of Johnny. Johnny couldn't see it. But she, then Amber started choking herself or whatever, like something weird, or s pretending to be choked in front of her and said that she was, she, you know, stop choking me. And she's like, what? I know you nobody choking you. Like you're choking yourself. What are you doing? So then she found out she was crazy, and she said that she she called her a socio a narcissistic sociopath, which seems pretty right, um, on the nose. But then she found out like all the stuff that was happening with Amber and Johnny, and she said that she alleges that Amber was the aggressor, and that Amber habitually like hit him, did all kinds of things to ruin his life, and stuff. And so she was coming out to say that. But it's also for financial reasons that she was doing that. Because he, if he wins this $50 million or whatever, then she will get paid. Because she was working on a screenplay for him. And she wanted him to be in uh, one of the roles. And if he doesn't win this, it's not likely to happen. And that he owed her like $25 million or something. Crazy amount. Um, from way back. So she had a financial stake in this case she says and she she's not there for either party with their consent for obvious reasons um so i'll link to that you know below once i find it and yeah that's basically what happened at the trial we ended on a good note with sherborne he ran out of time but he still was able to get through all the points all the incidents and tear them apart basically and show that they were lying about a lot of things and then, whilst that was happening, whilst this case was happening, this trial was still happening, who but Amber Heard herself, Amber Turd, goes outside the courthouse and holds a press conference and says some shit. And she said some shit, trying to be a victim again. And, you know, thank you for your overwhelming outpouring of support, which was hilarious because everybody was heckling her in the audience. And when she left, they booed the shit out of her. Just like they boo her every day in the court. Poor thing. But it was the most hilarious and sad thing. Because one, it's like so out of... Like, that's not normal. Like, the witness that doesn't even need to be there comes out and holds a press conference. Who's not even the defendant or the plaintiff. The plaintiff didn't even come out and do a press conference. You didn't see Johnny going out and being in public. Because he doesn't want to. Because he's more private than that. She's a narcissist. So she has to get out in front of everything. And it was during the that trial where 
a lot of shit was being said about her and her ridiculous testimony, so she had to distract attention from the media by the you know by the media from that situation, what was happening inside. So it's still really bad form to do that, I believe. So I don't know what that's going to look like to the judge. But it didn't look good to a lot of people who saw it. And it is good to see that the court of public opinion pretty much knows she's not an innocent thing <laughs> in this whole situation. And she lies about a lot of things. Um, so that's really good. So putting that aside, then we have, I said the Gill and Maxwell files were released. They weren't too much of, uh, to worry about for anything. But I did learn a lot more about Virginia Roberts and how they treated her in the deposition. Damn, Miss Menninger is a piece of shit. The way she talks to her, like, and not just her, but like her attorney, Brad Edwards. I mean, damn, like that was just really inappropriate. I don't know if that's normal for a deposition. I haven't seen enough depositions to know what kind of behavior is okay for lawyers, but it was legit. Like they were gonna snipe at each other for a long time. It's like damn, what is happening? Like, this is so unprofessional. (laughs) Just got so unprofessional after a while. You know, she's just like a dick to her the whole time, like questioning her. Like there was one part where it's like two pages of the same question and Virginia doesn't want to answer. So whatever. And then she's like, she refused to answer questions at the end. I was like, and then Brad was like, no, she didn't refuse. She said she didn't refuse to answer the questions. She just wanted to see things in front of her so that she could respond properly and blah, blah, blah. So, like, it wasn't like in the trial situation where it would be like, oh, let me show you a document and you comment on it. No, she was just like, can you recollect this and that and the other? Do you remember when Gillen Maxwell had sexual contact with someone in front of you? Blah, blah, blah. Like, did she direct you? Blah, 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 blah. Like, all these kinds of things. Did have a lot of names in it, which was really good, but they were redacted. So you had to figure it out. But then some of them weren't redacted. But the ones that were made me wonder, like, who are these people? Although some of them seem to be people that I've known from the past. Like, I've seen their names elsewhere. They just didn't put them, they didn't name them there. But, yeah, Prince Andrew was in there. I mean, she didn't really mention him much. But, I mean, in the redactions, I mean, he was redacted a lot. But he was unredacted in certain parts, too. So, I don't know. That was a weird document. But it was really good to see how a deposition goes. I mean, if you look at it too much, you'd be like, oh my gosh, she's not the best uh, witness to this, and she's not the best um, plaintiff um, in this scenario, because she's, she seems to lose a lot of information in her head. She doesn't me- remember a lot. But then you think about, like, all the places she was she was jet-setting to with... with Jeffrey Epstein and Gil Maxwell, it would all be able to blur at some point. And then some things you just don't want to remember, I'm sure. I'm sure. So it was just, like, really intense. Like, there was a part where she was, like, talking about her resume. All this padding that she did to her resume. Which I'm like, this is not going to help because they're going to say, like, oh, she's lying about this, she's lying about that, she's lying about her book, she's lying about this, she's lying about the, mo- the money that she made from the picture. Like, all this stuff. Like, but... You know, if you don't look at it too hard, you can't, you can see, like, you know, how a deposition works and see some of the information about the, the names and stuff and you get some clue of what's going on. So that's what I've been wanting to see for many years is 
some of the court proceedings. So this was good to see f for me as a legal mind, um, legally minded person. I like to think legally sometimes. And so that was good. And then we had, um, again, like the bail thing and um, they weren't supposed to talk to each other, but Jeffrey and Ghislaine were in contact with each other. He was like, keep doing your ocean thing. Focus on that. You're not like a criminal or whatever. I'm like, yeah, she is, but okay. <laughs> and that's when she was still doing the Terramar project, as we all know. The now, the now defunct one. Um, and she used the email LMAX, um, which is her LLC in Florida. So that was cool. And he had J-E-E -E Vacation. G-E Vacation was his email. And this brings me to an associate of Jeffrey Epstein's. This is a good segue. Bill Gates. All right, here's the update on Bill Gates. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go quickly because we're wrapping it up pretty soon because I can't be here for three hours doing my last episode because <laughs> that's just too much for me. But, um, and we got to get to other stuff too. Shit. But, okay, so Bill Gates. So this was happening. I have looked up some stuff about what's going on behind the scenes. And, okay, one thing is he did an interview on CBS News, CBS Morning, something, and it was with Nora O'Donnell, who was the interviewer, uh, and he was talking about the Moderna trial that they're doing, the clinical trial with the vaccine, which is not going too swell, because a lot of people are getting fevers and all kinds of, like, uh, side effects and stuff, and he was trying to respond to that. He doesn't care. Basically, he doesn't care. The emperor wears no clothes because he just wants his money and he just wants you to keep doing this, what, what he says, and keep making profits. He doesn't care how many people get sick. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what happens. It's all out in the open now. It's revealed. I will link to that because it's, it's embarrassing for him. Um, he looks really bad through, throughout a lot of it because he's just so obviously is doing his shtick and he doesn't know what to say he says uh 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 a lot he says uh more than any time i've ever heard uh said in 20 something minutes 28 minutes and 29 seconds i don't know how i remember these things but that's how long the fucking interview is and the interview as isn't actually that long because it starts with like an intro but anyway so then eventually she starts asking she just gives him softball questions and gives him the most softball question and says like facebook is, is um, there's a lot of misinformation on Facebook about vaccines and about, about you and, you know, microchips and, like, people think you're going to put microchips in them and stuff. He's like, I don't know where they got that idea from. Da, da, da. But then, you know, you look up some information and obviously we, we have the 666 um, uh, Microsoft body data cryptocurrency thing. Um, patent that I've already linked to in the past and then we have like um, the quantum dot tattoo which is the best which he gave enough funding to continue the research into at Rice University for Kevin McHugh who did the the initial research on that and that's been going on for a couple of years now all the stuff before the pandemic starts and then we have CRISPR obviously CRISPR is like a gene editing tool that has Cas9, I think is the name of it, and it's been used already as a vaccine kind of thing. So 
that's going to be really interesting and weird. And he did an op-ed about that um, on foreignaffairs.com. So I'll link to that below. I'm going to have to write this down because I'm going to remember all this shit. I'm not going to remember all this shit. So let me go ahead and write that down for myself. CRISPR. I'm not going to go in order. I'm not going to lie. I usually go in order. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody watch. Nobody listens to this anyway. That's the last episode. Who gives a shit? CRISPR. Then I got Bill Gates op-ed. Shit. Bill. I don't know why I'm in all caps. Okay. Bill Gates op-ed. I'll link to the Washington Post op-ed too. Washington Post op-ed. Op-ed. Then, um, Johnny Depp trial. Transcripts. It's so hot. I don't know. Um, what else did I want to link to? Lockstep. We're going to talk about that later. In a moment. Okay. That's all I have for now. But I'll remember everything else. So. So he does this whole interview and then she asks him about the microchip thing. And she does like an... Um, a, there was a study done. And it was like... I can't remember exactly how many. But it was like... So many Republicans believe the microchip thing about him. And then... 19% Democrats and 22% independents. I'm like, yay, independents. But anyway, yeah, because we've done our research, because we don't believe everything that the media says, and we look up things for ourselves, individual studies, actual scientific research that's done. So yeah, so what happened is then he, he doesn't have really a good response to that. And then she says something about like, oh, we should take stuff about anti-vax stuff off of um, the internet, off of Facebook. Do you think that he should take, that Zuckerberg should take this stuff off, down? Da, 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 da. And he says, oh, we should let it up. Da, 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 da. I don't know what he says. He's just mumbling and, and not mumbling. He's like just rambling on. And then, um, yeah, basically she's just like, hey, let's just destroy all speech online, you know? And crack down on people which is exactly what they did in event 201 segment 5 which I've told four, four, segment 4 which I told you about the misinformation disinformation uh, part of the the event which he again put on with the help of World Economic Forum and Johns Hopkins University which served as the host the health security whatever the hell it is which was actually the host was um, Tom Tom Inglesby, who was also involved in Dark Winter, what a coinkadink, from 2001, which was an exercise that led to the actual anthrax attacks after 9-11. Fun times. What was that after 9-11? It was in 2001. So, anyways. So there's that, and then there's a document that I wanted to mention. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. I feel like I have, but maybe I haven't which is the Rockefeller Foundation's document called Lockstep, which is in uh, another document titled Scenarios for a Brighter... 
is that right? That's not right. For a future future technology and international development, which is um, published in 2010, May 2010, I think, and it in the, is lockstep, which is the program that involves a pandemic happening and top-down government control over everything. You have to wear face masks everywhere, face coverings. Mandatory face coverings, uh, body temperature checks in communal spaces. You got um, uh, biometric ID will come about. Um, the other thing, lockdowns obviously is a thing. Social, they don't say social distancing, but yeah, like that's it. And then the technology that will arise from it, like biometric ID and everything and all, and something that, a device that can sense whether someone has antisocial intent what the hell i'm not gonna survive this dystopia man because i'm antisocial as fuck aren't we supposed to be antisocial whatever oh antisocial dissent not intent what the hell it, it's dissent like oh my gosh i hate the government so you know punish me but anyway and then that and then we have civil unrest in certain countries where it's like dictatorial which is going to be everywhere really and people are going to at first be eager to to comply with these rules and do everything that they're supposed to do to keep themselves alive and um eventually a few years later a long time later in their summation um in their prediction they will be like hey this is weird like why is this not going away because it's not supposed to go away because it's just like the patriot act this is supposed to keep going forever and ever it's supposed to be an escalation. This is not a um, a one-time deal where it's like, oh, we all have to wear masks for like a couple of months, three months tops, and then we're back to normal. No, they're gonna do that until the vaccine is ready, and then they're gonna push the vaccine on the people who don't want to wear masks and want to go back to work and everything. I mean, hopefully they're already at work by that point, but um, they're gonna push them on. They're gonna be like, hey, if you get this vaccine, you don't ever have to wear a mask again. You don't have to worry about a mask knee or anything like that. And then they're going to be like, okay, sure. And trade away some of their autonomy of their bodies for that instead of the security. I mean, security. Instead of their um, freedom for security, which is what they did in the first place when they put the mask on. So I'm not saying if you have a mask on, you're not free or you're just doing as you're as you're told or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the mandatory requirement to have a mask is not right. It's just not right. And it's a shame that if you say that in some circles, they'll be like, oh my gosh, you don't care about anyone. You're selfish. Da, da, da. I've been yelling and bitching about Syria and Yemen and all these other countries for years. And these people just found out about Yemen. A lot of people online just found out about Yemen, found out about Yemen through Black Lives Matter somehow, um, the Marxist um, section of it that has arisen uh, since its inception. But I mean, it's like the new coin. Black Lives Matter, by the way, is the COINTELPRO 2.0. Um, it's gotten taken over by Antifa in some places, and that is just sad to see because. Every movement pretty much gets co-opted. And this one got co-opted in 2016 or so. I don't remember exactly when. But a while ago. 2014, 15? 
it was a long time ago that this got co-opted and now it's become other things it's like so big that it's become other things it's like doing other things that is just so stupid like the Aunt Jemima thing and the and the Uncle Ben thing, like, nobody cares. Trader Joe's, the new one, like, Trader Joe's even was like, uh, scratch that. We, we don't agree. Um, we're not going to do that. So, yeah. And I think that was a troll in the first place. was like this guy talking about this book that Trader Joe's was based on. It was just like so stupid. Like, you have a lot of time. See, that's the thing about the lockdown. It gives you a lot of time to do research. You can do research on good stuff that helps society and tries to warn them about certain things and make them aware and then you can do stupid shit that makes more cancel culture shit happen that is so annoying and we are all getting tired of I think at this point um so there's that and so yeah lockstep is not gonna end well and it's been and it was supposed to be in 2012 in that document so they were playing that for two years later but I guess they had to get through the Syria thing first uh, in Libya and all that. The ramifications of Libya. Because as you know, Libya is a slave state now. Like, eh, slave state. But like, it's a slave market. Like, an open slave market in Libya um, is what we've ended up with instead of what we had before with Muammar Gaddafi, who wanted to get off of the. Uh, uh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> who wanted a lot of things including healthcare for Libyans and he disagreed with the UN a lot and and the US and wanted to help Arabs stay alive what a shit show um but anyway then we have like um the election so in that news I guess I could I could bring that up at the end but the elections coming up soon if it happens in November and uh, that one just looks as more as hopeless as it ever looked because it's like one shit sandwich versus another shit sandwich who doesn't remember what happened yesterday so you just can't win there that's unfortunate but you know you don't have much option on any other side and then we have the stimulus package so that's going up we're gonna lose our $600 a week benefit as unemployed people soon. We already did, actually. And they're thinking of doing 200 on the GOP side. And then the, the Democrats would be like, hey, but we don't have to do 600. Don't worry about that 600. We can do like 400 or 300, whatever you want. We're not gonna do 200 because we can't back down. But we will agree with 300 because we just have to agree to a certain point or disagree to a certain point and stand our ground to a certain point just to stay elected and to have people believe that we give a shit about them which they don't neither of them give a shit about any of us it's just the truth nancy pelosi has a huge twenty thousand dollar fridge we paid for it just saying um we also pay for libya we pay for syria we pay for we pay for yemen we pay for Iraq still. We pay for Afghanistan, which, hey, the president did want to get out of for a second. But then he was pushed out of that idea by Democrats. Oh, they care so much. 
They care about themselves. Everyone just cares about themselves. But there's, but I'm so selfish for going outside without a mask on. Meanwhile, everybody's trying to kill each other. And totally normal about it. And like New York has shootings more than ever now. There's unrest everywhere. And it's not even to do with the pandemic. That's what's insane about it. Is it's, it's other things that are distracting things that seem very, very important. And they are to a lot of people. And they are important. Like, police brutality is super important. Very important to get rid of. But, at the same time, putting it as a racial, a racial thing, rather than an institutionalized kind of, like... Is, it's kind of like coming from Israel, really, because that's where the training has done has been done. IDF, it's been militarized the police force in the U.S. So they they ship people off to Israel, and train them there, and come back here, and then implement those horrible tactics. So it's not all about like racism. It's about brutal being brutal in general, just not giving a shit about human life. And, and some of that is because of, like, the media's portrayal of certain things. Like, in, in media you see a lot of uh, no value for human life in certain um, films and television shows. All kinds of stuff. But if we get in that conversation, then it's going to be like, oh, what, you know, what influenced the other, you know? Because, I mean, you go back as far as, like, literature and everything, gothic literature and everything, like, you know, that predates a lot of the media today that comes out, like, what those themes are. Like, themes that are violent have been around for a long time. We used to watch, not me, but as a society, society used to watch people get killed. Not on a daily basis, I don't think, but every once in a while, they would see someone be hanged in front of them. And that would be a way of saying, hey, you gotta follow the rules, or else. And then that would make you behave. And then in some countries, they cut your hand off for stealing and stuff. So it's like, or behead you for certain things. And it's like, insane. So there are things that are normalized in, in cultures, in um, polit politics, I guess, and the way things go, like duels back in the day were really weird and you know, they had the Greco-Roman wrestling. I don't know if that ended in death. There were death matches of things. There were people torturing people, like all throughout history. Which you could say like that influenced a lot of media as well. And then all the serial killers and stuff, so like Silence of the Lambs, um, Psycho, all that shit. Like, same dude. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then does that create more terror and more horrifying experiences and murders and rapes and stuff? You just, you don't know. You don't know. You just, you have to get through life the best you can. And that's what I plan to do. I'm not wearing a mask yet. I've been very true to my word on that. If anyone sees me in a mask, it ain't me. <laughs> Because I don't even have one. I don't have a bandana. I don't have anything. And I don't have any problem with anyone who does. And if I see people walking around with them on, it's disappointing, but I'm not surprised. 
And that's how I feel about it. I feel that also that there's a lot of hypocrisy, as I mentioned, about governors and mayors not doing what they're told they're telling us to do and then now you know you got nancy pelosi introducing masks into congress and everything and luckily luckily my gosh twitter is not real life so when i see certain comments about you know fine five hundred dollars for not wearing a mask in public or whatever the fuck they want to say like i know these are just random ass people probably not probably not even people some of the time so I, it makes me feel more at ease that I know that there's a real world out there and no one in real life, in my uh, interactions with people, which have been very few for the last few months, but whenever I go out on my walks and stuff, no one ever tells me, put a mask on. Why are you not wearing a mask? No one. Of course, I don't go into any stores or do anything that I'm not supposed to do. Although yesterday, I did step my toe into a store just to, you know, get a rush. Because <laughs> that's where I'm at now. And nobody cared. <laughs> it was behind, like, um, a cooler of drinks. And it was just like, ha! I disobeyed the law for a second. Not the law, but, like, the rules. So that was kind of fun. I... I thought about going into the Hollywood Highland Center but this dude was already there and smoking and I was like nah I don't want to smell that oh my gosh there's so many smells I mean the pot smell was overwhelming and then there's cigarettes everywhere these people with masks on they're smoking cigarettes I'm like that's not gonna help you but it's not about you it's about your neighbor I get it but you're still giving them secondhand smoke but alright whatever <laughs> so you can't really say that too much <laughs> when you're smoking but I digress I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've not talked about on this last episode I mean we talked a lot about uh, we talked I talked a lot about a lot of things and everything that I wanted to mention I think I mentioned I had a list let me check topics yeah the twitter hack happened there's that so I don't know if you know you guys noticed, but Twitter got hacked a few... That's so old news now, but like a week ago or something? I don't even remember when it was. Elon Musk got hacked. Barack Obama. Joe Biden. Um, a lot of people. Kanye West. Who's running for president? Sort of, not really. But, um... Yeah, a lot of people got got hacked... And it was like a Bitcoin scam. And people fell for it. People ended up giving them like 120000 more than that probably, by the end of it. Bitcoin, you know, USD from Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, if that makes sense. But not much happened after that. There, was no repric- there were no repercussions about that. And the fact that the information of like the, what is it called? The control panel or whatever of Twitter was there, the main control panel. I don't know what they call it, but like the controls, like the area where you can like look at accounts, get into them, like it was so easy too. And we haven't seen any like, any sequels or anything with like the DMs, which would be interesting, um, that they may have gotten while they were in there. Every time a hack happens, you know, they do it for some stupid reason. And then people in the, the thread, 
on Twitter will be like, oh, you know, you could have wiped out student debt. No, you can't. But, like, you could do all this stuff and you decided to do this. Like, the fappening. Like, that's another example. It's like a bunch of pictures of naked girls. But then you think about, like, who did those go to? Maybe Harvey Weinstein. We don't know. But, like, people like him probably saw them first. So that's interesting to talk about, but we aren't allowed to, and it's whatever. But, you know, something to think about. And just, you know, anything can be hacked. And then that makes you wonder about the microchip and everything, and the, the cryptocurrency um, digital ID thing that they're going to do, where everybody's going to be hooked up. And they talked about this on Joe Rogan with um, Post Malone was on there, and he was talking about it. And J Joe was talking about, or Post was talking about, like, you know, when the cards don't work, like, they, they can just, or chips or whatever they have implanted, they can just d disable them whenever they want, whenever they're, you know, you're in debt enough. You know, that sort of thing. Like, do you want the government to have that much control? And by the way, they already have control because they have the, the banks. So if the banks just stopped giving you your money, then everything would be fucked. So that's something to think about as well. And then the, the value of the dollar is going down and everything. And so I guess I'm keeping a lot of my cash money so that in the society that forms after this, I can use it to buy goods when uh, all other forms of uh, cash are deleted. And, but the thing is, like, the cash will be deleted, too. So will I be able to use the cash? Probably not. Maybe it'll have some other purpose. I don't know. But, like, the, when you think about it, like, cash is just paper. And it just, it doesn't have the value that it has unless society agrees that it has it. So, so much in society is very manipulative and very, like, brainwashed when you think about it, even the people in charge are being brainwashed into thinking this money means anything. Because it doesn't. It's all ones and zeros now, most of it. So it's in the computer. And that's why the computer is so big. And the computer will be in all of us eventually. Not me, because I don't know what's going to happen. But like, I'm going to try not to be here when that happens. When we all get microchips, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, out. I'm going to starve to death, thank you, bye-bye now. Enjoy your lives or your deaths, your slow, pitiful deaths. I will enjoy my painful death with a little bit of freedom, at least. I'd rather die f uh, free than live like a slave. So that's my motto, I guess. So with that said, we, got, we covered a lot of ground on this show. And I'm very glad for everything that we did as a community of people who contributed to this wonderful show that means so much to me and so much to some other people, I'm sure. But it really means the world to me that I've been able to do this. And, oh man, it's just, it's bittersweet because... You want to go out with a bang. You want to, like, have everybody come back and everything. Like, hey, it's our last show. But nobody can do that now because no one can have an opinion in this industry. Well, they can. just has to be the right one. So if you hate Trump, then you can talk about that all you want. 
But if you want to talk about vaccines, oh no, can't, can't talk about that. Can't talk about this. Yeah, you you could get uh, censored, you know, you could get taken out, you know, have your money, money taken on certain platforms like YouTube, you know, who cracked down, they cracked down on the misinformation on, which is not really misinformation, but discussion of vaccines and hydroxychloroquine and all that stuff. We're not allowed to talk about it. Demon sperm. <laughs> they put out all this distracting, like, information about people. Like, because everybody knows everything about everyone. So when somebody says something and they have a big voice and they have a past where they said some other stupid shit that maybe they've regretted or maybe they don't. But it's like what they believe. And a lot of people believe weird shit. Scientologists believe weird shit. Christians believe some weird shit, in my opinion, you know, just, just, Judaism has some weird stuff in it, you know, and, you know, you got the Muslim tradition, you know, with all the weird things that they believe, which is very similar to all the weird things that other religions believe, things that, you know, you'd have to explain in that context, because no one would understand it, um, but yeah, religion is weird in a lot of instances. So when somebody says something about demon sperm and their God's battle axe or whatever in their Twitter profile and they say all kinds of other stuff about about Christianity or whatever and then they say stuff about science. They say stuff about hydroxychloroquine that the, the government and maybe not the government but the society, not society, media, the doctors you know, behind the scenes we're making money off the vaccines and stuff and remdesivir and all that Gilead, sciences, all that shit like they, the big pharma people are not gonna be okay with this being promoted because it's not right to do it now so like Fauci promoted it in 2005 or something I don't remember but some year back in the day he was saying hydroxychloroquine could be as good as a vaccine or something like that um and then, and then you have like people immediately see something, they hear something stupid, and then they, they're like, "Oh, this is right wing bullshit," you know, because they believe in this. They're right wing, so we can't listen to anything that they say. Because no one on the right wing has anything good to say. No one on the left wing has anything good to say to the right wing people. It's just all division, division, division. You know, snipey, snipey, sniping at each other. So it's really annoying. So I guess I had to mention that that happened. Like it's the elephant in the room. Like that, you know, all these things keep coming out of uh, certain trials and studies and stuff. And like people saying that certain things work. But you can't believe them, take them seriously because of what they believe in other areas of their life. That informs that area in so many ways as well. So Christian science is not like usually melted together that way. Um, I don't even know if she's a Christian. <laughs> she believes some interesting things. I don't know her name. I'm not going to name her. I don't know her name. <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's interesting. And it's a doctor and we're supposed to trust doctors and studies and science and all that shit. 
But the, the thing is, science can be bought. Every industry in this world can be bought and is connected to pedophiles. Because as we have already gone over with Bill Gates, he was connected to Jeffrey Epstein after he was convicted of, of um, trafficking a minor or whatever the hell the charge was. Um, child prostitution, such a fake-ass thing. But anyway, then we got like Elon Musk in a picture with with Gil and Maxwell, but then he says he was photobombed, and Marvin Minsky was mentioned, who's a scientist, who was connected to Jeffrey Epstein, was mentioned as somebody who sexually abused minors, allegedly. So, you know, there's all kinds of names, like, he knew a lot of people, he was a eugenicist himself, so that probably was a good opener with Bill Gates, who's most likely a eugenicist, the way he talks about population control. And, um, so they probably had a lot in common. They had a lot to talk about. And then there's all that whole thing with, uh, Bill Gates' employee, somebody who lived at his estate, worked for, as a, an engineer for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he was found with CP, or what I like to call child exploitation photos, because I don't believe a child can consent to being a porn, being in porn. So... I don't believe in child porn. So, anyway, there were a bunch of images on his computer. And I only read one article about that, of course, because it was squashed right after that. And we don't know if he even registered to be a sex offender after that. But that was something that happened that Bill Gates never talks about. Nobody ever asks about. Nobody ever asked him about Jeffrey Epstein. When they did, he said he just knew it a lot of rich people. And that, you know... He was trying to get in touch with a lot of rich people. You know rich people. You don't need Jeffrey Epstein to find rich people. You're rich. But I think I already talked about this. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just bringing it back for everyone to remember. Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump. Probably not a pedophile. I don't know. Probably just into really young girls. And jealous of, Bel of Jeffrey Epstein from the looks of his quotes. And, um, didn't really look too much into that, I guess. And then there's, um, other people. Prince Andrew, who's still somehow walking around like nothing's going on. And then, um, Jean-Luc Burnell. Leslie Wexner, the head of the snake, allegedly, according to Maria Farmer. And Naomi Campbell, who keeps getting mentioned in documents. Um, from her birthday party. 30th birthday party? I don't know. But, um, yeah, she hung out with some questionable people. She has a questionable looking island herself. If you look it up, you'll know what I mean. So that's, that's some Q-tard bait right there. I, they did some more Q-tard bait with Ellen DeGeneres. Is that right? Fuck. Maybe not. I'm trying to remember. Shit. There was something... Oh, Madonna. Madonna was saying some stuff about the the doctor that I described before. She, she had information on her Instagram that was deemed mis misinformation and was censored or whatever. I don't know how that works on Instagram, so don't... I don't know. But... I'm sure that confused a lot of Q-tards because they think she's, like, involved in adrenochrome and all that shit. Yeah, this is the first time I mentioned adrenochrome on here. Thank you. Um, but 
Yeah, so that probably confused a lot of people about her motives and what she's about. Or maybe she's being used so that she can have a high amount of people to contact with this information so that it can be squashed immediately. That's probably what the Q people would think. Um, that it's a psyop, you know. But anyway, that's just funny because the whole Q thing is a psyop in itself. So it's ironic. And then I guess the Ellen thing that happened is just today, BuzzFeed News, my favorite news outlet, um, has some information about mis sexual misconduct happening with Ed Glavin. I don't know enough about that guy to get into it, but I'll, I'll link to it, I guess. I haven't even read it, but I'll link to it, sure. But um, at first, she was, like, apologizing for the atmosphere, not being happy and shit. And, like, she was partly responsible, but it was mostly, you know, everybody else's fault. And um, she's going to do a good job in the future or whatever. She got rid of all those other people. Don't worry about it. And so then we find out that some shenanigans was going on behind the scenes and people trying to get blowjobs and whatnot and um, pressing buttons in their office and intimidating their employees and stuff. So it just seems to me that the blame is being shifted yet again from Ellen to this other person, Ed Glavin, and these other people behind the scenes. And I don't know... It's just very convenient that this would be right after her apology where she was passing the buck. She was saying, oh, this is the other person's fault. And they're, they're taking care of blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting to me that she takes no blame, accepts no responsibility. Not really, you know, in a legitimate, sincere way for the way that she treated her coworkers and employees and stuff. And that everywhere you look, I mean, it's Twitter, whatever, but so many people have stories about her. There was a whole fucking thread about how annoying she is and how much of a bitch, that's the word, or mean person she is, you know, behind the scenes. So, you know, it is what it is. So we'll see what happens there, I guess. But um, I hope we had a good time here. I hope this is all worth it. That's my hope for everything. Like, is it worth it? I hope so. I got a lot of guitar playing in the last few months done. And I'm very glad with where I got there. I don't remember any of it, any of the chords, but, you know. If I had the guitar in my hand, I probably could play something. Not well, but, you know. It is what it is. Um, and then, you know, it's just... It's sad to see everything falling away. Like, my job is non-existent at the moment because I need people to do it. People to go out. And they're afraid to go out, so that's not possible. And they've canceled performances at the Disney Hall until the end of the year. So, it's not even going to be open. So, I'm hoping eventually I can go back to work but I'm not I'm not 100% sure about that if that's going to happen if I can't comply with this rule that's been normalized it's really disturbing to me how normalized this dystopia has become nobody knew 
realizes they're in a, a dystopia when they're in it. It's insane. Like, lately, Fauci, like, brought up goggles. Like, we're gonna have to wear goggles now? And a mask? Just give us a hazmat suit already. Like, not even go outside, just lay in bed all day and then die when it's time. Shout out to Olivia de Havilland, who died at 104. That's what you want. Good for you, girl. Died in her sleep. Good for you. That's how we should all go. If there was any justice. Except for the people in charge of everything. They should not live to 104. They probably will. I'm looking at you, Henry Kissinger. But, yeah. So, China's gonna take over the U.S. We have a Cold War with China. I forgot to mention that. TikTok is... Like, the war is gonna be playing out on TikTok. TikTok. TikTok is where the war, war will play out. You'll have the entertainment stuff, and then you'll have the war. That That's what's gonna happen. That's where we live. Um... Look out for my poem. I think it'll be in the next issue of the Spectre Journal. But I don't know. We'll see. But I have a poem. I wrote a poem about this shit. So, wrapping it up in a bow. Kanye West 2020. No, I'm kidding. Um, I hope he gets the help that he needs. Whatever that is. I'm not getting into his personal life, into his mental shit. Just get whatever help it is that he needs. Whatever help you need, I hope you get it. Whatever help I need, I'm gonna need it. And I'm gonna get it. Everybody just help each other. Love each other. That's my message to you. That's what I want to convey to you at the end of this beautiful journey. Is that we need to love each other more, than ev more now than ever see each other. If you see someone out in the street, say hello. Give them a wave. Unless they have a gun. Then maybe just turn your head and walk the other way. But I'm just saying. Be nice to each other. There's nothing wrong. It costs nothing to smile at someone, to give them some encouragement, to just make someone's day a little bit brighter. Give them a bigger tip than you would normally give them if they're coming over to you in a car. And they're good at their job, hopefully. But yeah, I mean, I have to get delivery all the time because I don't go anywhere. So I, d I tip a lot. A lot of people. And I tipped someone $20 once. They didn't even react. I was like, okay, well, that's not what it's for. So it's fine. I'm just helping a business. But it was still like, part of me was like, oh, okay, fine. Then I won't tip you $20 again. You're not going to appreciate it. Shit. But, I mean, they probably did appreciate it. But, you know, I can go back and forth on it. <laughs> but what I'm saying, basically, is love each other. Fuck hate. Fuck fear. Stop being afraid of everything. The point is, like, the major thing you want to remember. It's not nice. It's not fun. But everyone dies. It's true. No matter if you die from the flu, from corona, from a heart attack, from lymphoma, from... A, an aneurysm 
breast cancer, whatever, you're going to die. That cannot be stopped. Do whatever you can to make sure you can live. I guess. <laughs> you know? Stay away from people if they're coughing or sneezing. That's just, you know, common sense. Don't cough and sneeze on someone. I've literally never done that. So I didn't think when we got into this that we would have to be told not to cough and sneeze on people or be held from doing that by doing something as stupid, not stupid, I shouldn't say, but as severe as wearing a mask, which has not yet been proven to work in all scenarios. There's just not enough data to come to that conclusion. We're not going to get into it, but there's no data either way, in my opinion. In my opinion. In the research that I've done, I can't find any reliable data. Because when you look at certain studies, like cluster study, cluster trials in hospitals with HDO, HCWs, hospital care workers, that's a specific type of profession. So it's not the same as regular people walking down the street, walking to, to businesses and stuff. So I wouldn't put those in the same category. There's some people who like to, what is it, conflate the two and, and make the study suit their bias, like confirmation bias, basically. That's what they do. They confirm their bias with these studies and they say one way or the other, this is what this says, this is what this says. And we just don't know yet. We just don't know yet. And even if we did know, mandatory anything is just not a good idea. It just has not been a good thing throughout history to have. I just don't want us to sh turn into Nazis. <laughs> no, straight up, like, turn somebody in because they're not wearing a mask. Like, like that's insane to me. Everybody's a Karen. Like, we don't need more Karens. Let the Karens be Karens. If they have names that are Karen. If I had the name Karen, I would change it. That's just me, but, you know, do you do you. My dead sister's name is Karen. She's not even my sister. My, my father's first daughter's name is Karen. She's dead. She's been dead forever. She died when she, of pneumonia. Huh. How about that? She died of pneumonia when she was a young, young child. Two years old. Maybe less than two. And thank goodness she didn't have to see all the Karens. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna leave on that. <laughs> Fuck the Karens. Alright. Live your life. Love each other. Love you.